It had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. I'm in love with Could you. make me be true. Snap out of it. Could make me be true. The magnificence that comes out of your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you walk. You're lit from within, Tracy. It had to be you. Wonderful you. It had to be you. Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Pod VU, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mathur. In each episode, I'll be chatting with a guest about one of their favorite romantic comedies from classics to modern hits. Uh, it's been quite a while since I've recorded an episode, about three months while I was on a uh, brief hiatus, I guess. But we are back and very, I'm very excited to introduce my guest for our comeback episode, Mr. Joel Arnold. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Very excited to have you on the show and to uh, be back to the, well, I guess, makeshift recording studio, a.k.a. my living room. Yeah, I'm excited (laughs) to be here and excited the show is back. Yeah. um, Well, thanks for coming on. Would you like to introduce the film that we're talking about today? Yes, I would love to. The movie is Sleeping with Other People from 2015. This was a movie written and directed by Leslie Headland, who's a playwright and directed uh, 2012's Bachelorette and co-created Russian Doll. Uh, it stars Alison Brie and Jason Sudeikis and several other talented comedic actors giving memorable supporting performances. And it is about uh, two people who lose their virginity to each other in college. And when they reconnect 12 years later, they both carry a lot of baggage like he's regularly cheating on women and kind of avoiding honesty and she's obsessed with a man who doesn't want her and is stuck in this cycle of self-loathing and craving release and yeah for me it's one of the most emotionally challenging romantic comedies i've ever seen but i yeah. i really uh like that about it like even though i picked this movie i love this movie when i saw it uh, five years ago i was like a little bit apprehensive because i was like "Mm, i bet this is gonna make me feel things and i'll have to (laughs) be responsible for my feelings (laughs) which is sometimes the way i get with like movies and anxiety but i'm just like no this will be good and then i watched it twice it was yeah yeah definitely um do you remember the first time you saw it and how has it you know become one of your favorites over the years i think that it's it's definitely different now just from a personal perspective because i saw it i think either in 2015 or 2016 and before then i had never been in a long-term relationship and so it was a little bit like looking sort of like looking forward and wondering like am i going to you know i can relate to these characters in some way but like will i relate to them more in the future and like now being in one i'm like Oh yeah, okay. No, I'm I'm <laughs> not as <laughs> uh fucked up as as quite either of these two, but I appreciate more its representation of like communication and especially kind of the like the lived in feel that um there's one like a couple of supporting characters who are in a relationship and I just appreciate more I think how the movie portrays relationships. Yeah, yeah. So um Yeah, what's uh, your experience with it? Yeah, no. So like <laughs> It, it, it's so funny because like I hadn't seen this movie since I saw it uh, in theaters in 2015, but it like came at this like weird time 
where not like emotionally but just like um in 2015 was like when I really got into like listening to podcasts and um like that was when I was like really in like really in deep with like that sort of like improv comedy scene like the comedy bang bang like Paul Tompkins you know uh, yeah you know um Janet Varney all those people mm-hmm. and of course how did this get made I listened to that every week and I remember like for um uh, for like a, a while, I remember Jason Manzukas saying like, "Never forget my movie Sleeping with Other People coming out September 11th," and he would say <laughs> that at the end of every episode. <laughs> yeah, and it was one of so you did where, remember, like, you did not I, forget. I, I didn't. Yeah, I saw it soon after September 11th because I was like, I got to see this movie um, because like he kept making that joke, and it's just like one of those things that just gets like lodged into your brain, right? Because like mm-hmm. he said it every time. For like like months, I guess it seemed like, and this is also in the midst of like um, when I had Movie Pass. Like, so before Movie Pass was like you know this huge thing in twenty eighteen. Oh like, yeah, it was like it was a small thing that like very few people had, but it cost fifty dollars uh, a month, and I had it, and it was like they had all these restrictions, like. You could only watch a movie, one movie every 24 hours, and you can only see a movie once. So, like, what I would do during this time that I had it before it reduced prices and relieved all those restrictions, like, I would plan out my week to be like, okay, on Monday I'm going to see this movie at this time, and then when Tuesday I'll go see another one at this time. So that, and like, I would just like plan it out because I was working part time. So, like, I had a lot of free time uh, to go see movies. And even, even when I was working, like, a full day of work I would like go in the afternoon because um it was like summer so I had nothing else to do I was single <laughs> so I just like remember like this time in my life where I was like really involved with that like movie pass culture before it kind of went downhill yeah and like the LA improv thing where like Jason Mizukas was like my one of my favorite people and like I loved how this guy made a show that I kind of fell off listening to like it gets a little it gets a little tiring after a while yeah I, I feel like we had a similar experience like i was yeah. i was living in new york at the time i now live in los angeles and list, like that's like those kinds of podcasts were the ones that i connected to yeah, comedy yeah. first through or like comedy like that kind of group of right. comedians like post-college i really like developed my taste in that direction and yeah i i th- that what a cool experience though to be able to like see so many movies uh, I mean, I even for a steal at fifty bucks. Honestly, it really was because, like, I, I, um, I was such a dork back then. But I would have what I, I called perfect weeks, where I was managed mm-hmm. to see five movies from. You know, I think like I started my. I think on Mondays I was working like in like well into the night, like from like twelve until like eight or nine p.m. So I couldn't go see a movie on, on Monday. So like Tuesday to Sunday was like what I would call the perfect week. But I'd go see a movie every one of those days that I could. <laughs> I was very excited. Um, clearly, I had a very active and engaging social life. It um, sounds like a dream to me. <laughs> well, especially now because of everything. I know. But like watching this movie, I like I, hearing that. I'm reminded of you know the the more brief uh salad days of movie pass for me but yeah like being able to schedule like so many a week was thrilling um but also like watching this like getting like vibes of new york and just like being out among people it i don't know (laughs) unlike i think like broader kinds of 
romantic comedies set in New York, like this captures a little bit more of what it feels like to be there as like a real yeah. human. I think what I found interesting about this movie in terms of its New York setting is that, like, um, I, it felt like they were, um, I don't know, like, it felt like they actually lived there, you know? Yeah. So, like, it's such a dumb thing to say, right? <laughs> but, like, there was something just, like, so not New York about it in the sense that, like, it didn't feel like they were showing off the city or, like, they were doing, it just felt, like, normal. And um, this, like, like they didn't like the characters didn't seem too like hipstery. Like that's always my problem with like movies set in New York, where like the characters just seem like they know like all the coolest places. And like this, this one, like I don't know, it didn't feel like they were going anywhere that was like that cool, like capital C mm-hmm. cool. It just felt like no places that you go when you live there and you were like are out and about and. Um, and yeah, it really like I um, I used to live in Queens, uh, but I recently moved to White Plains, and like I don't really miss New York because like I haven't had like real New York since you know February. Mm-hmm. But like this watching this movie, I was like, man, I just like um, I, don't know, I was feeling nostalgic for like you know for Manhattan because like, I ne- I've never lived in Manhattan. Um, as an adult. Me neither. I was uh, I was uh, Bushwick, and then yeah. I guess technically Ridgewood. Which part of Queens were you in? Um, I was in. Uh, well, I lived in Astoria for a while, and then okay, I moved yeah. to Elmhurst, which is like near Jackson Heights. Mm-hmm. So, like, cool parts of Queens that were very fun to live in. But like, I never had that like it, like that like downtown city experience, you know? Because yeah. like, Queens has city ish parts, but like, it's not you know. There are no high rises there. Yeah. Well, to be clear, this is a movie where, like, I it, it's not a movie about class, but yeah. I feel like the mo- the writer, I, I feel like it's written in a way where you know the characters, like, oh, these people have money, especially yeah. Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. he's he's made. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what he does, but he's made his money and is like uh, vested in his stock. So, like, these people are like, it's not the Manhattan or it's not the New York that I necessarily yeah, remember, which yeah, feels yeah. like more chaotic more like broad city but like they're comfortable enough with money to be able to like live there and enjoy it and like yeah you you go to central park you go to brunch you go to all these things that yeah i think seeing it some of it of it for me was nostalgic and some of it was, was like a little bit of like wish fulfillment to like have yeah, a house like that like yeah, uh andrea savage yeah, has yeah i wouldn't say it was nostalgic like i never had those experience but it was definitely like yeah, like a wistfulness, a like wish fulfillment. Yeah, where I was just like, mm. man, like, wouldn't it be cool to like live in like Chelsea or wherever? Yeah, to have money in New York, yeah, is what a what a wild experience. I feel like living in LA, LA also is, I think, a different experience depending greatly on the money you have and and where you live. Maybe uh, yeah, sure. in ways that are like hidden like i think another thing that was cool about this is like we're not even talking about the plot this is just like new york but like i loved the just seeing like the experience of uh i don't know like new york bars and that low roar of people around you and like talking closely to hear each other like ending the date on a corner uh and (laughs) this is very covid but um the the opening i guess not the opening sequence but uh after the uh sort of prologue the scene when Jason Sudeikis is running after the woman he's just slept with, like down the street, like it just illustrated how in movies in general, uh, like background actors or like people in the background of like your life or, or 
you know, in a movie, yeah. like we're trained to filter those people out on the street instead of now being like targets and individual points of danger to be avoided, <laughs> which I thought was kind of fascinating to realize. Yeah, isn't that funny? Like, um, it's such a, it's, I, I, I won't say it's like a New York skill because I'm sure people in other cities have it, but like it's such a like city skill to like mm. drown out whatever is happening and like, you know, like I've seen arguments in the middle of the street or in, on the middle of the sidewalk or in parks and stuff. And you just like, I mean, you always get a little tense of like, okay, is something like, is this an actually serious situation or is this just like a couple fighting? Um, you just kind of like tune it out. But like now, yeah, of course, if I like see anyone anywhere, I'm like, I need to figure out how far six feet, six feet is. Um, yeah. By eyeballing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can get into the plot. I mean, like, um, one thing I found really fascinating about this movie, which I kind of forgot um, since I hadn't really seen it in a while, but is that it's, it's very much a, um, like, it's very much like that when Harry met Sally thing, almost like to the mm-hmm. letter. But um, instead, they, like, what makes this movie unique is just, like, this, this like, sexual dysfunction angle. But it's a pretty, like, um, formulaic romantic comedy. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in, like, kind of a cool way that, like, Headland... Mm-hmm. Um, like she seems to like really love the genre in a way that a lot of these sort of um, like you know hmm, a lot of these like you know quote unquote edgy or romantic comedies don't or they mm-hmm. like I I find that when movies try to be like the anti romantic comedy you know they kind of have a lot of disdain for the genre but I actually was found it really refreshing like how, um, how like how she was using these like rom com tropes and put in this like really interesting layer of like complete mental dysfunction (laughs) yeah yeah like she she's using like in this movie and uh like some of her other work that i've seen like i i really want to i didn't know a whole lot about her and i really want to go read her plays now Mm -hmm. um like the settings feel familiar from broader kinds of romantic comedies but yeah like psychologically or or emotionally it's more it's exploring like a darker and more like more sexual uh like tone and and you know like in bachelorette is sort of like a wedding party movie and this is with this one the like there are moments there's a structure that's familiar there are tropes that's familiar but like yeah. when jason sudeikis is running after a woman um like storming out of his apartment it's it's not to like get her back it's than him react like you feel that contrast of him trying to like rationalize his behavior and tell her why she's wrong or right. like punching the guy uh out of self-righteousness who's hurt the the woman you love like that has it's treated with like real consequences and <laughs> like like a like a civil case so like it feels more grounded in our world yeah and exactly. coming from like a more maybe realistic but still like specific kind of uh, psychological point of view. Yeah, I mean, there's something so just, like, honest about this movie um, that it feels like it came from a very real place. And 
as I don't know if you've you know read any interviews or anything like that, but I was reading about Leslie Headland and she was saying this movie was was kind of born from this like toxic relationship that she was in, and she was like mm. following this guy and just like had this like breakdown in her car, being like, "What is like? What am I doing here?" And um, she like read books on sex addiction and attended um, mm. you know support group meetings, things like that, just for her research and. You can really tell that, like, she, um, like, I, I kind of expected there to be, like, more scenes of them at group with, like, because they have that, like, one scene where they're at group and um, they have the, like, the one speaker there, like, telling these, like, really outlandish stories. And I was, yeah. I was, like, waiting for more of that because, like, that's what I'm One scene like. from Billy Eichner. <laughs> Just be- oh, my God, that is Billy Eichner. Wow. I like didn't even register, um, but yeah, yeah seeing like, it now, like seeing the way people have been cast, like <laughs> Catherine Waterston, I was like, oh, she's yeah. the wife. <laughs> and this was like uh, right, um, right around I guess when Inherent Vice was coming out, right? So mm. she was just breaking through. Yeah, like all these people who like and Natasha on the own, like she, I mean, I guess she had always been like semi-famous, but like this was like right before she like hit it big, you know, like right before. Um, uh, I I don't remember the exact time like Orange is New Black, but like kind of around then, and like Russian Doll, of course, being this past couple yeah. of years. Um, but like I was expecting more scenes of like them at group therapy with like more kind of broader scenes there, but instead it just feels like a very like um, I, I guess like realistic or authentic portrayal of these like you know sexual dysfunction that they're having. It didn't feel like. They were too like they felt they didn't feel outlandish at all. They felt very like grounded in reality. It was something I really appreciated because you know you um, I feel like sex addiction is always such a joke <laughs> that mm-hmm. like I and and I like that they clarified that like you know Alison Brie like didn't have a sex addiction addiction how we think of it but more that like just a romantic obsession. I think they use or like erotic fixation. So it just felt a little bit like less cartoonish and more just like things that we've seen in like real life yeah yeah i that uh the scene where we first learn about that that she's experiencing that uh with adam brody uh who pops up i think is is so good at like telling (laughs) us like the kind of movie that we're in like it's yeah uh like she's (laughs) yeah she's a character who's seeing a therapist that's already starting to be normalized and then like you have uh that group later where like mental health is just like a natural part of life that's treated in this movie, which is kind of refreshing. And also I think in terms of like authenticity, it benefits from this when Harry met Sally, like extended timeline. Um, But I, I love in that first scene when she's explaining this, that you can kind of see that that addiction or that obsession that she's grappling with that, that like that felt real to me and like i've related that somewhat we're like being like so fixated on external validation that i don't know it's something i hadn't seen before like that that f- cycle of self-loathing and yeah, yeah. Uh, like seeking like release from this relationship that she knows isn't good for her but not having like the strength to sort of break that cycle and that's something that she kind of learns to do like they're they're a dysfunctional couple uh her and jason sudeikis's character but like they each grow with each other in a healthy direction i think 
yeah, I mean, it. Um, I definitely think that they do they do grow with each other and they become a healthier um, healthier couple for it. And you know, like I was I was thinking as I was watching, like how many movies have we seen with like Alison Brie's character would be this sort of um, like crazy girlfriend, you know, mm-hmm. or like the crazy one, and then like his like that wife, you know, like Catherine Watterson would just be like the cool main love interest and Adam Scott is like um, the main guy. And we just kind of like normalize like that, the way that story is told without even seeing like what it's like from the perspective of the quote unquote crazy girl. And like this movie, like not only gives that, who like gives someone who would be the side character and like a different story, but mm-hmm. also like names kind of the issues that she's dealing with, you know, rather than just saying she's, like, um, like, rather than just calling her, like, a blanket term, like, crazy or jealous or possessive, it, like, gives her an actual term and actually, like, gives her the, um, the humanity and the dignity to, like, work through these issues and, like, grow from it rather than just casting her off and, like, letting him get married to his, like, perfect girl. You know? Yeah. I I think, like, we're watching two characters who like you're saying might be like side characters in other movies yeah and like like jason sudeikis character maybe a little bit looks more like someone who would be the lead because you have his like in jason manzoukas his more like stable friend but yeah. i could also see like him being like jason sudeikis or jason manzoukas kind of like projects uh that jake could become a sort of like gross older man character right. like dating these younger women uh i think like their age difference i i appreciate that it's like put within the narrative as like meaningful and they like are still relating to each other but it's like somewhat somewhat acknowledged but yeah, like yeah they're, they're they're kind of like two they're two people who if they were in another movie wouldn't be treated with the same like like you're saying dignity and respect or the movie might know the movie might not know that they're kind of both assholes. Like it, it knows both things. Like it tries to treat them with compassion, but also shows their flaws. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, I really, yeah, I mean, like showing that, in, like how so, how, um, like, uh, yeah, just like how vulnerable they are to their own um, issues, to their own problems. Like, it would also be very easy for this movie to like like okay yeah now they're friends they're fine there's not going to be any slip ups they're not going to regress past their progress they're just going to move forward and fall in love and great but it really shows that like the stuff doesn't like get resolved overnight right it takes like I mean actually I'm surprised we didn't have any scenes with you know any therapy scenes at all because Hmm. it would have been a little I would have been interested to figure out like Jason Sudeikis's um, like his backstory because we got I mean we got we got a little taste of it with Alison Brie but just kind of like okay like why is he like this like what role model did he have as a kid I, I, don't, I don't I don't think yeah to it as much I don't know we don't get that sort it, of but, whatever childhood trauma or in, yeah. inciting incident causes right. him because yeah like the way he explains it is uh he has become like a serial cheater yeah. because he 
yeah, yeah, it's a problem with honesty. Like he realizes he doesn't yeah. want to be with the woman that he's with. And so he, instead of having that conversation in which he's like rejecting someone else, he'll go ahead and cheat. So he is rejected. But I think right. like his, yeah, his whole issue is like this, how can he be vulnerable? And like, he's able to do it with her, but he's like wary of once the dynamic of the relationship changes, like, would he continue to be that way? Or like, would he hurt her? And yeah, yeah, I, I kind of wondered, like we get a little bit like maybe how they first hooked up in college started that for him. But I, I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't buy that. I think there's, there's more in his story than that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, what, uh, what are some scenes that like kind of jump out to you as like really effectively done or really interesting, really funny? Like what, what are some of your favorite moments in in the film? Oh, Oh, there's so many good ones. I think, uh, I'll, I'll give like two answers. Ones that like make me feel good and ones that make my skin <laughs> crawl. I think, I think like the Matthew Sobachek of it all is, is so real. Yeah. Uh, and like, I, I, I'm glad that it's built in that we hear at the beginning that they, they meet because he is Alison Bree's, uh, TA. So there's like a, a predatory aspect to it. And, and for sure, like, toxic when he is going like not not wanting to be with her but fine to like indulge her and letting her go back to him time after time even though it's so toxic like the the scene when they uh we first like meet him is just like a great i think use of adam scott Mm -hmm. because he's got these two modes we frequently see him in where he's like the asshole from like stepbrothers or right, like right. the more like ro- like romantic earnest lead in like parks and rec mm-hmm. and then like you put those two together it's just a sort of strange type because he's like very like stodgy or like put together but also like very uh like he's still got a little bit of that magnetism but it's like very withheld and like yeah he, every time he's on screen i was just like he's got such an asshole <laughs> He is so unsettling in this movie, um, and absolutely right. Like I know him best from you know his com- his comedies in Parks and Rec, and like he's like the perfect guy in Parks and Rec, right? Like he's like the dream like feminist husband on the show. Mm-hmm. He'll be and, so good to you. Yeah, he yeah, supports you in everything. You, you know, low cal calzone zone. Like, I mean, <laughs> um, but like it's so he's so unsettling because you kind of expect that level of like you kind of expect him to have like some charm like it's so it's so interesting to me and so funny like how jason sadukas is just like uh he's the most boring person on earth because yeah like i love that because it just like it, it makes it makes it a little bit more insidious of how he's able to like latch on to allison brie and like like lure her in and you're absolutely right about the predatory angle of it like that really jumped out to me more so now than it probably did five years ago and like the fact that um you know she's introduced like banging on his uh door be like uh, screaming to like let her have sex with him and i'm just like oh like that's just the power that he has where he's just so exactly you're saying like withholding that he like has this control over her and um it's so it's so subtle the way they do it the way that headline like wrote this character 
in that like he's never like overtly you know misogynistic or cruel Mm -hmm. to her and then like even in their like really creepy sex scene like there's no like overt like kind of like roughness or like that it's just all very much just like quiet and like um yeah just like quiet and menacing and you're just like you can see um like you can just see how much like control he has and it's i think it's partly due to the fact that like we really come to like we really think of adam scott as like you know like the fun guy that goes on how to get how did this get made talk about like five Mm -hmm. five you know like he's so funny and cool and like nice like i was imagining like if like if Paul Rudd were to play this role, it'd be very similar, right? Oh God, like, yeah. It would almost be even worse, actually. Um, but like, yeah, like just, turning off that warmth that both yeah. of them have, and it's just like turning it to like coldness. To yeah, yeah. it's just like, and I, don't, I got the feeling that like she is not the only girl that he's done this to. Probably not even at the same time. Mm. Like, I just like he just seems very just like, possess- like creepy and and scary and. Um, yeah, like, again, like, there's, just, like, I really have to applaud the, like, subtlety there, because there's just, it's not, it's not cartoonish, you know, it's, it's, it's not outlandish, it's not, like, overt, it's so subtle, and then, in the sense that, like, I was reading reviews, and people were just like, oh, I can't believe Adam Scott in this role, like, he didn't even seem that bad, whatever, and I'm like, uh, you were not watching closely <laughs> enough, because I found it to be, like, just so, like, um, like the scene at that like banquet, I guess when she runs into him and like yeah, the headless camera is really does a really cool thing where it just like kind of circles around them. You could just like I just I, like yeah, my skin crawled. Like I was just so uncomfortable, and just like there, you know, the dialogue is all just like banal small talk. It's like nothing, and you could just feel her like suffocating and like sweating, even though, you know, and then she runs and throws up, and it's just like oh my god, like this. Yeah, it's just so that I think that was like my favorite scene in the sense that like I thought it was exceptionally done. Probably not a scene I want to watch over and over again. Yeah, um, unlike I mean the scene that I really love as like a funny mm-hmm. cute scene is like um, at that kid's birthday party when she just like snaps into control this like wild party. Yeah, and, like takes that's them the same to, one like, I was gonna say as like the positive example of like a scene I'd love to revisit like yeah. <laughs> when Bowie's modern love comes I, this music uses music so well yeah. but that's like yeah. one of I think the iconic moments for me too yeah but like um, it's like, Alison Brie is so charming she's such a like sweet person right I mean like I don't of course I don't know her personally but like she just comes across as someone who has like you know, just like wants you just like want to be around her and you just like want her to be happy and like to like hang out with her you know um, and so, like, I love when this when she like gets to be that in this movie because like you just you just like want the best for this character and for her as an actress. Yeah, like, like it, I think that helps you take uh, Jason Sudeikis' side a bit because he's there. He's there for her and yeah. trying to like support her through that. And I love that how much of the like you don't need to see necessarily all the the shitty things that adam scott's character has done because it's portrayed through how she reacts like like needing to like physically get away from him and like throw up or uh the kind of anxiety attack she has when she sees 
that he's calling her when they're in Central Park and then uh Jason Sudeikis is like there for her to like care for her and just like that that care that he exudes like then or or that scene when uh they kind of admit to each other that they love each other like they love each other for free like where he's just like staring at her uh after she's had this this awful that same awful night yeah yeah um yeah that's i think there's just like so much wholesome sexual tension between the two of them and you can also see that in the the dancing scene too like when she they're both rolling on molly when he sort of like uh (laughs) takes her aside after um she's starting to lose the kids a little bit and like just they're dancing i'm just like they're both really sweet together you two dummies why can't you get it together but i also appreciate that this movie is really good at like capturing that feel like when you're in something like that the reasons that feel like it can't work to you or or you won't take that big risk yeah, yeah. makes so much sense they feel so important okay yeah. shit what I uh I want to fuck you what's a, I know no. no what do you mean no what you guys, like, what? what did I do I mean Stop are you kidding me to. it's kind of hard i mean look at you i mean you're so pretty and you're vulnerable and it's just like you might as well be wearing a sign that says solve my problems with your penis okay we just like, spent the entire evening talking about how we screw up every sexual relationship we've ever I know, had I, I, right i mean and yet here i am like wanting so maybe now. we gotta just be friends uh, yes that is the mature responsible thing to do uh, for each other and ourselves. Yes, I agree. Okay, but then we got to come up with a system. If we're going to be friends, you know, and, okay. and I want it to be good friends, but we got to have fair. a system here. So maybe we come up with a safe word for if we're having sexual tension and then we'll stop so whatever. So if you're doing something sexy or I'm doing something sexy. Feeling attracted, okay, but it's mutual, so it is mutual. The word. You're saying it's mutual. It could be mutual. That's a yes. I may or That's may not yes. need to use the word. We'll have to see. In okay, the future. Well, all right. Well, let's. All right. Say, uh, we'll safe say word. Again, let's go. Come up with one. What do you got? I'll do anything. What do you? What you pick it and yes. It's avocado. No, can't do that. No. 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 <laughs> it's just immediate veto. Mm-mm. Well, I mean, it's too sexual. It's too sexual. Uh, avocado food. is too sexual. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you got to see the way I eat an avocado. You'd be like, that's I, you know, do that to me. What, what did you think of? Uh, yeah, what, I don't know. What did you think of like? the the way that Jason Sudeikis's character like navigates things or like him trying to process that relationship with Lainey or with Amanda Peet's character yeah you know I think so my kind of read on this character is that like he the moment that they have their like dumplings date or whatever like Mm -hmm. um I think he's like ready to like sign his heart over to her, and I think on some subconsciously he knows that like if they were to um, get together, it wouldn't end up like all this past really. Like I think he just kind of knows that like she might be the one in the sense that like he will like try hard to make it work, um, and I I think he. I don't think he's, like, being her friend in the sense of, like, hoping to, like, get with her. I think he's, like, genuinely her friend and genuinely believes, like, you know, what she's saying about, like, how they, you know, need to, like, decrease their sexual tension and just, like, be friends because they're too messed up. And I think, but I also think that he has this element of, like, I want to be better because I want to be there for her. And he, I think he really, like, 
um, puts himself out there for her in a way that he probably never has in his life ever. So um, maybe because he recognizes that like she has her own stuff and can then call mm-hmm. him on his own stuff. Like I think with like most of the girls that he goes out with, including Amanda Pete, like um, like Amanda Pete says that like he's like two different people, and I I feel like that's very true. And I think he's mm. the most himself with with Lainey with Alison Brie, but he can also be someone else entirely for people he doesn't care about and he's like i think he's similar with jason mazukas and andrea savage like he's most himself with them yeah but like he can also be someone totally different for you know anyone else and so i i think he's like i think he's like invested in helping her grow and helping himself grow because like he wants to be the kind of the best version of himself for I think maybe even on a subconscious level, you know, I don't think he's even aware that he's like doing it because he talks to her it does things for her in ways that like I don't think anyone really I don't think he really would have done for anyone else. I think there's just some like innate connection there and I think it's so cute how they like lost their virginities together and like ended up getting married, you know. Um because I, I think there's like a nice little circle there, like it's kind of circular, and uh, or it like comes full circle. I mean, mm-hmm. so I think he's just like, maybe he just like has this, yeah. I think he just like is attached to her, um, but not in like a creepy way. I think it's it's genuine. I, th- I think he would have been. I mean, he seemed fine with her going off to Ann Arbor. Yeah, it's Ann Arbor, right? Yeah, another reason I like this movie is I I went to <laughs> University of Michigan and I'm just like, oh, like it's I don't know it's it's also like a it's okay to leave New York story which I experienced and so I'm like it's it's like hitting me in these like relatable yeah, yeah, personal ways like, but like yeah go blue to Ann Arbor with her or that's what they yeah um, yeah it's also great yeah for one thing I've heard Ann Arbor is like an amazing place to go. Um, and, it is. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is a good leave New York movie because you know, honestly, New York dating in New York is toxic. It's terrible. You know, um, I don't live there anymore. Not that I'm, not that I'm that far, but like, it's it's horrible. And so it's nice to like see people like leave and thrive. And she seemed much happier in that like brief couple scenes in Ann Arbor. It's not like she was like sitting and pining for him or like in another toxic you know relationship but yeah um yeah i mean i really think that he is like on some on some inner level just like wanting to improve to like be the guy that you know she would need him to be i think it being subconscious is is really true because it kind of takes these verbal I guess slip ups that other people notice more than he does yeah. uh, of like calling her like baby and, and her observing that or with Amanda Pete, uh, her kind of like really telling him at the end, like, like you maybe don't know this. Um, but like, so, so maybe his, his issue with honesty is like, there's a little bit of self-deception yeah, going absolutely. on too. And I think, I think what you can see with the, like the contrast between the two of them, like the way in that first scene, Adam Brody is like not seeing her. Uh, like he's kind of like interrupting her and not listening and like trying to banter at like 
inappropriate times and like there's there's a lot of banter in this movie there's a lot of banter between uh allison brie and jason sudeikis but i think like all these like each character's like slight twist of truth or like implied meanings like they're on the same wavelength to understand each other emotionally and then to to try and and be there for the other person and i feel i feel like it does a good job of like portraying how that how two people can become very important to each other to the extent that uh like jake's like he admits to jason mitsukas's character that like they're actually not best friends anymore like he's like second like laney is now his best friend and like in in so many ways yeah it's an emotional relationship um because he's the person that or she's the person that he's most vulnerable with and just like that him trying to do good for so long and do good for her is what keeps him away from like taking that bigger risk like he takes like a small risk with amanda pete but oh he's so interesting like with amanda pete he's like he's making these big moves these big moves of like offering to resign in order to date her or like booking these tickets to paris and to know her son yeah yeah these are like big gestures that kind of pierce through the skepticism that she has because she knows that he's a bit of a womanizer yeah but i think like those like read as like oh he he's really trying and i guess he is but these are like smaller like he's so devil may care kind of in how he presents that these they're smaller risks than actually like the big one he's avoiding which is to try and make things work and like really go for it with allison brie and but oh god amanda p she's so patient like she's like trying she's an angel my god like she's she's being kind (laughs) when she does not need to be yeah, so I, I have to say I really like Amanda Peet. Um, I, I I think she's a pretty interesting actress and one that doesn't really get the kind of work that you know I I wish she would get. Um, did you ever see the movie Please Give um, with her and uh, Rebecca Hall, Catherine Keener, Oliver Platt? No. Will Smith. Yeah, it's a um, Nicole Holoff Center movie and. Okay. Very funny, very good. Um, she kind of plays the like, like she and Re- Re- Rebecca Hall are sisters, and Rebecca Hall is like the, um, like the mousy, responsible one, and she's mm. sort of, and Amanda Peet's like kind of the wild, like reckless one, <laughs> and it's it's so funny, and she's just like, she plays like, like I mean she's not wild or reckless in this movie, but it's like it's it's like. She just like has this like sharpness to her that I find very interesting and like um, because like in this movie she's like you know very much the like you know hard executive has all these like you know very demanding very um, you know like self assured confident and um, what I love is that like their relationship you're absolutely right she's so patient she's angelic almost and how like. It's like because she's like I guess she's I mean I'm assuming she's older than Jason Sudeikis. I actually don't know how old Amanda Pete is, but like she's probably around that age. Like she's like had a mm-hmm. life, you know. What I, is that's what I mean? Like yeah, like life, she, she has, has she's divorced. Kid, she has a like, kid. Yeah. She's head of this company. Like and she she has a I was gonna say a lot to risk too. She has a lot to risk, but like I love that. Like it's not like 
high dramatic like you know when he like when he says um Lainey's name while they're having sex like again any other movie that would be like a huge fight a huge thing of like oh I'm so jealous and like but it's, it's like she almost like encourages the friendship because she's she knows like she's probably been through something similar like she's like wants to make it work because she likes him and she's too old or she's too mature I guess to like you know throw a tantrum over something like that and she's like wants to like again she wants to work with you know with Jake to like make it work and even at the end you know he says you know like my girl about about Lainey and she picks up Mm -hmm. on it and instead of like jumping into this fight to like you know like turn into a screaming match with her involved she just waits until he's in the police car and she's like hey i i caught it and we're done like i'm too i'm like i'm I'm too successful (laughs) as a person (laughs) to deal with this nonsense so she just ends it and like she's it's fascinating yeah like she's direct Direct, with how he has hurt her yeah but still compassionate and and not i don't know it's it's kind of like i think it's you know for as uh for as dark the places are that this movie explores like it's it's hopeful it's hopeful and i I appreciate like it's like like a hopeful love story and it's earned because it like comes from this like ragged uh like place of like the they they really have like worked through things to get here and and with her it's sort of a, a hopeful way of looking at we're like hoping that someone would understand that kind of baggage because yeah, like a, a broader movie would be like, what? I've never like heard of something like this. Like you, <laughs> like a- any reaction to that yeah. would be reasonable. Like a-, a bigger reaction being like immediately when someone's, someone else's name is called during sex, like that would be fine. But I appreciate that this like portrays that these people sort of of a certain age, having had these life experiences might take a different tactic in order to foster like greater authenticity with each other. Yeah. I think for all this movie is sort of like causticness, like it's a very kind movie, you know? Yeah. Surprisingly um, very so. Empathetic, very compassionate. As you say, like it's so just like, it's like, it's just like, I mean, except for Adam Scott and I think even his wife can, you know, she's deluding herself. She can't see what's happening with her husband. Yeah. L- uh, less of an angel, but also like another victim in this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, aside from those two characters, I think everyone else is just, like, they're just, like, nice people. You just, like, want to be around, you know? Like, yeah. even for all their flaws and all their hang-ups and whatever, like, they genuinely want to be better people, which I find to be a much more interesting... Like, I like to see flawed people trying to do better versus, like, mm. you know, we were, like, these... Either, like, I think a lot of romantic comedies go too far in either direction, whether it's, like... They're just such jerks. You don't even know why you're watching a movie about them. Or they're, like, so sickly sweet that you don't know why you're watching a movie about them. But in this one, it's, like, these are the people that you kind of know, right? People who are, like, generally good people, but just, like, are going through some going through some stuff and have to, like, figure it out before they can, you know, be the best version. Um, yeah, I mean, anyone else? I mean, we kind of touched on Jason Mazzucas, but he's great. Andrew Savage, amazing. I love their chemistry yeah. together. It's, it's Actually, so I they were married in real easy life when I saw this movie. Yeah. <laughs> because they just like... It seems so real. They're improv. I'm guessing it's improv, like in the end credits. Like, it just seems so natural that I'm like, you guys yeah. 
married and I think he's I don't know who he's married to someone pretty cool I'm sure but like um I'm just like wow they're so good together they just like have this natural thing and yeah I mean Andrea Savage is very funny I, th- I feel like she's another one that is just like on the cusp of like just like one really good good show away from like breaking out yeah have you seen because uh, they have uh like a great dynamic where they're not married but uh uh, he appears as her writing partner on her show i'm sorry which is so good if you like it's like i don't know have you seen that one it's a similar vibe of i haven't seen it um only because it was not a channel that i didn't have but i think it's probably oh yeah by now i think it is but like she's a she's a writer in la but like the it's got some of the same uh kind of like bantering but expressing like sincerity through jokes also deflecting it's got some of that like the conversational nature that i really enjoy and yeah them in the end credits i feel like is so i don't know critical to this movie like it's it's you seeing how the the couple you've been following might might turn out and like it it feels very real like just like looking like so she's saying um to him it's like let me let me look at you. I don't ever like look at you because their lives are like <laughs> harried by having two kids and everything that comes with yeah. that. But I don't know the yeah. I just appreciate that this is a movie like really about like conversations and hmm. in in like a lot of ways that we've talked about they feel real. Also like the way pop culture is referenced like that's kind of the way people talk like there's like a friends reference when jason sudeikis is like she or so oh no i think jason menzuk is the oh two jasons God, yeah. uh she's like she's your lobster she's lobster yeah yeah or like uh, even even sudeikis gets into like a sydney bristow reference which i feel like is so specific so and age appropriate to like having that. watched like he would have been the right age to watch alias yeah, in yeah. the early 2000s yeah right when he was in college and grad school yeah it's crazy i know like um i really liked uh, also, the the scene where they uh, where they watch Misery, uh, <laughs> right. and he's like, of course, "Of course you, of course you would love this movie because it's like I love you and I want to kill you at the same time." Which is so, and that's like so true. Like we've all been there, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know I have thought about like not killing someone that I was in love with, but like, <laughs> like uh, you know. Um, yeah it's, it's great yeah it's so good um this me just like yeah leslie Hendlin. she just like really taps into I've, I've not seen bachelorette but from what i've heard it also it's similar in that like it just like taps into these like very specific um emotions that people have that are like self-contradictory like i love characters who are self-contradictory mm. because like i feel like people are you know like we do dumb things and say what we don't mean and um, make mistakes that we probably should know not to make, but you do it anyway. So it's, uh, I really, really appreciated this movie because it just felt so like authentic to how messed up people are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it doesn't leave you if you want to put it on like a spectrum of of you know romantic comedies or stories telling or talking about love, like something like she, you're the worst would be sort of more caustic yeah. more to yeah. that side even though i also enjoy that show just a little bit uh sometimes more challenging and then something that's far in the other direction would be like uh, a netflix romantic comedy <laughs> and i appreciate that it's sort of like in the middle like these are flawed people but we can yeah. recognize other people ourselves in them and they want to do better and like me as a perfectionist um i sometimes struggle with decision making and it's such a beautiful sentiment that he expresses 
to her uh, uh the idea of like wanting to fail with her more than win with anyone else yeah. i think uh, is such a lovely idea um one scene i did want to bring up which i totally forgot mm-hmm. about is um the scene when he like teaches her how to masturbate is like oh yeah <laughs> it felt like such a um Obviously, it was an homage to when Harry met Sally. Like, there's there was no way that like at least she, Leslie Headley didn't even think about that. Um, but like, it was it was so interesting to me because like usually when like there are characters like Jason Sudeikis who are like womanizers, like the joke is that like they're actually not that good in bed, but like yeah. actually showing that like he knows what he's doing and is like, cause, I don't know, it was just. Again, this is another like interesting twist on that like archetype where he's like, um, and also that like she was so um, she was so like unaccustomed to like her own pleasure because all she does is think about Matthew. So like it's just so like I thought it was a very very well done scene. I, I wonder how people think about it now because I don't. Know, Seems like I can, it's almost veers into like mansplaining, mm-hmm. but yeah, I like it, it, I think because it was written by a woman, it like steers clear of it a little. But I would love—I mean, neither of us are women, but I'd love to hear yeah. what people think about that now. I appreciate that the scene right after is like it—it it, it, that part of her character could in a different movie be like blown up to be like oh she's inexperienced she doesn't know how to do this for herself like yeah yeah and instead like that is a realistic thing i feel like can can happen and uh, but also it's followed up immediately by natasha leon being like it took a guy to tell you this like it's both like normalized and also called out um but yeah i I appreciate that like he's not like he knows what he's doing like the scene ends up being like she's getting like flustered during it and they both recognize like sort of like what's ended up happening but yeah yeah. (laughs) like that that compatibility and chemistry i think like comes through in like different kinds of ways yeah exactly like they have that like banter thing where they can just like easily like improv like dumb stuff you know to like other people but they also have this like very intense like chemistry where you're just like I mean, it's such a cliche, but I'm, like, screaming at the TV, being like, guys, just, like, kiss now and, like, save yourselves all the drama. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's also very satisfying to, like, see them confess their love to each other by phone. You know, I always love when, when a romantic comedy has, like, a love declaration scene that's very unique and, like, different. Yeah. Um, so I really... And I even that. forgot, like, when it was happening, because I hadn't picked up... Uh, I haven't seen The Graduate many times maybe even once i've seen it but i didn't realize that he's like reenacting that at the end for yeah. her just like screaming like elaine elaine and yeah it like i i appreciate the way they have this like shared history like that and the, and like a couple has that they, when you yeah, say different yeah. things to like they have the way they say mousetrap and that's special them it means something and the way i feel like especially in how they like it's really well directed the way they like deliver uh, even just the, the I love you's at the end like you feel the whole history yeah, of yeah. like their relationship and like what it what it means it's very specific um, you bring up the graduate and I, I, I do want to touch quickly like for one thing I'm glad that like I enjoyed the graduate payoff because like in the beginning when like um, 
she's like, oh, I hear about The Graduate all the time. I'm like, really? In the 2000s? Like, you wouldn't be hearing, like, Elaine from Seinfeld? Like, that's what I yeah. thought, right? Yeah. Like, I thought that they would, like... But then, of course, the, the payoff, then it makes... It clicks then. But I was like, I, The Graduate, I don't think, would be the, the reference for Elaine at that time. It would be Seinfeld, but... Yeah, I think you're right. I thought, at first, I thought he was doing a Seinfeld. He was like, yeah. Elaine! I know, it sounded like Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> I had to look it up. I was like, oh, oh, he's doing that. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe specifically people who were that age in 2002, their parents, what, those two people's it. parents, yeah. maybe, just. Um, so do you have any other last-minute things you wanted to bring up on the film or any kind of concluding thoughts? Yeah, I think, oh, <laughs> just shout-out to... Uh, Oh, it's it's bad to shout him out if I don't remember his name, but the actor who played Riley on Buffy season four, uh, like he's the love interest, like he he's like a military guy, like very like he's the definition of a square. Mm. I appreciate that he very much plays like the same role here. Like I've never seen him in anything else, but he's the uh the the guy with a kid who oh, she yeah, yeah. goes out with for a bit after the party, um, like very much like white bread and i was like yes that's that's who you would get if you were like looking at buffy and wanted that yeah, kind of that's, person um, mark blucas yeah 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 i didn't watch um, buffy so he, i don't i don't know who that is but um he did seem very much like you know a guy you know yeah <laughs> a guy for her to feel safe with yeah for a little while yeah i just uh i, I appreciate this is a movie that uh i feel like seen in ways i don't necessarily want to be seen Mm -hmm. while watching it and but also that like yeah it's it's very affirming by the end and i think that's uh something that i would love to see more of i I think like i feel like romantic comedies in general have headed in a direction where they're getting like more specific to like people's experience to, yeah it's one it's not just white people anymore like we have like characters of color who are speaking to their experiences in rom-coms i feel like more now and like we're getting like gay lesbian rom-coms yeah and i just like i appreciate that it also not like assholes are a specific set of people but like that it hones in on specific ways in which like people behave with each other that feels like more real and doesn't give you a a full-on fantasy of how people behave with each other in love. Absolutely agreed. I could not say it better. Um, I, yeah, if you listeners have not seen the film, I recommend it. Um, so it's available for rental pretty much anywhere. Um, but I do recommend people watch it because it was, it's a very, very well, well done movie. And I really glad that you suggested it. Um, so thank you for that. And yeah. Oh, and if uh, if folks are a fan of this movie, fan of Leslie Headland, and you also like Star Wars for the Venn diagram that overlaps there, apparently she's working on a Star Wars series. Like, good for her. That's yeah, <laughs> I'm excited for that. Uh, so Joel, where can people find you online? What are the things you're working on these days? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joel K Arnold. Uh, my work is at joelkarnold.com and. I host a podcast about the movie Cats. Uh, it's, it's, called, <laughs> it's called Ineffable! Exclamation point, a Cats movie podcast. And yeah, it's about... It, it tries to safely explore um, that deranged movie. And, and I also am on a D&D podcast uh, that I was on for three years, like 100 episodes. It's really, really good. I'm very proud of it. Uh, it's called D&D&D, and that's on Spotify. 
Awesome. Yes, that's great. Uh, yeah, listen to the Cats podcast. It's very funny. Love it. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at the Manish eighty nine. Uh, also, the podcast at It Had to Be You. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Help people find this show. Um, Joel cannot thank you and cannot thank you uh, enough for coming on and being the first guest back from hiatus. Really appreciate it. Happy to be here and happy <laughs> to be talking about this movie. It was yeah. a it was a great fun to just talk about it. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, and listeners, thanks for listening and for I guess sticking with us during hiatus. I have no way of knowing if you do or not, but <laughs> um, and. Uh, very excited to be back and uh, yeah thanks for thanks for listening thanks for coming on Joel and have a great night